So, you think you're untouchable? Hello everyone, welcome to Then Now Whatever, the wrestling podcast. Back again for WrestleMania, baby, woo! I'm your host, the Doctor of Trigonomics, Duncan Joyce. Uh, welcome return to the show for New Deadman Inc. About to make you famous, David Summerton. Great to have you back. And taking over Earth but still kicking in your anus, it's Kyle Cambray. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> nice to be here again. <laughs> How are we doing, lads? Yeah, we're doing good. Yeah, really good. April the 7th, 2019, from the Superdome, from MetLife Centre, <laughs> from MetLife Stadium in East Rutherford, New Jersey, aka the Shadow of New York. I give over commenting on these little quips that they have of shadow of new york and all that doesn't make any sense but they get a good giggle out of it anyway who plays there new york giants uh, some new york yeah. team plays there like, you're not you're not new york mate it's no massive ass pre-show no messing around here 20 minutes in we have our first matchup for the cruiserweight championship buddy murphy the champion defending against tony nice nice has a bit of a forced this is my wrestlemania moment Thing. We get a cool super gut buster into the top turnbuckle by Murphy that sends us screen in screen because apparently two hours isn't enough to yeah. get in the chit chat. There's a moonsault with Murphy hanging on the ropes for a two count. A cool slide underneath a pump handle that gets blocked and the champion hits a splash mountain bomb into the big ending for a two count. Crowd were practically silent when Murphy hit the Kamigoye but picked up a bit when Nice hit a reverse Frankensteiner. And then the fade to black, Fosbury fop, and 450 gets a close near four. Buddy hits Murphy's law, but Nice got his foot on the ropes. Murphy tried to steal Nice's finisher, but got German suplexed into the bottom turnbuckle. And the running Nice seals the deal for the challenger. And we have a new champion after 10 minutes and 40 seconds. Tony Nice in his hometown, dethroning the reign of terror of Buddy Murphy. I didn't watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Sacrilege, you're some 205 live enthusiast you are, Jesus. I did watch it, but remembered nothing of it. So, great start. <laughs> no, we've discussed this on previous podcasts. The reason that I didn't watch it is because Tony Nice isn't a cruiserweight in my eyes. So, there was no need for me to watch this as I foreshadowed that result. And I felt... The one viewer down because I'm taking a stand against the cruiserweights. It's quite sad. <laughs> yeah. They took a big gamble here for the, like, the hometown hero becoming the new champion, and they yeah. didn't quite get the crowd heat that they were after. But it was cleanly wrestled. Just nobody seemed to care. Um, what the issue is, is because it's so long. If I was going, as exciting as it would be, I feel like I wouldn't want to sit in a stadium seat for eight hours. So I show like the pre-show. It's quiet, isn't it? It, was, it wasn't full at all. I think the majority of it is for YouTube, so they can try and get last-minute subscribers, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So it's a tough one. But then you look at whether it was Neville and Austin Aries one day who were fighting on the pre-show. Yeah. Neither of them now there. So it's a bit of an odd place to have it. Mm. But I understand that they've got to have these matches there. But hey, it was just it was a bit of a nothing one for me, unfortunately. Four matches on this <coughs> kickoff show this mm. time around. Oh, here's Pat McAfee in his shorts. They can fuck off. 
Michael Cole said pretty much the same yeah. thing to me backstage. You're quite rightly so. I mean, I know Shawn Michaels turns up in a right fucking state as well, but <laughs> Shawn Michaels yeah. is earned a bit of equity there. Yeah. If you're a young guy in the company, don't try and ruffle feathers dressed professionally, please. Yeah. Who the fuck is Sam Roberts to call Miz annoying? Who the fuck is Sam Roberts? <laughs> I don't like Sam Roberts. I can't stand him. No. Second match on the kickoff show is the Women's Battle Royal. 40 minutes into the show. Jesus Christ. When was Ember Moon cleared to wrestle? I thought she was injured for ages. I didn't know when she she got back. Yeah, I thought it was supposed to be like six months out or something like that. It's crazy. Mm. Well, she. I don't think she's wrestled since, has she? A couple of times. She's, she's been drafted to SmackDown. Oh. Asuka and Naomi were the only people to get individual entrances. Um, we kick off with Nikki Cross chasing Maria out of the ring. Asuka bum tackles Candice LeRae and Nikki Cross out. Ember and Naomi have a really cool sequence together before Ember eliminates Naomi. Hits the eclipse on Mandy, but then gets eliminated by Lana. Sarah Logan saves Lana from Kyrie's elbow drop, but it's a trap! And the Riot Squad eliminate her. Kyrie hits the elbow drop to Logan, but then the Riot Squad triple team her out. We get a Dana Brooke chant as well. She eliminates Ruby and Liv, but then Mandy and Sonya double team her out. Mickey eliminated Mandy and Sonya eliminated her out of revenge, which whittles us down to our final three of Sonya, Logan and Asuka. Asuka holds both of these women off, eliminates Sonya, but then gets eliminated by Logan. And then, oh... Carmelo appears out of nowhere. She's not eliminated. Super kicks Logan out and has a very anonymous victory after 10 minutes and 30 seconds. I don't understand what it's done for Carmelo to make her win this. The battle royals, both men and women, are pointless. They don't They do not do anything. They're just exhibition, aren't they? Mm. Pretty much. Get her on a payday. She, she won it. A similar one in NXT as well, didn't she? In a similar way, Carmelo. Mm. Yeah. And, she, and she beat Asuka. And sort of hid outside the ring for a lot. So, I mean, if there's enough thought gone into it that that's sort of her thing, I quite like that idea. That she's got a, a tactic that worked once before, so she's going to use it again. And then it's been successful both times. But is that the sort of long-term storytelling that they're likely to do? On something <laughs> as throwaway as a battle royal exactly. on a pre-show? And they do it quite often on the battle royal format you know like in the rumble how many times do we see people sneak out of the ring or disappear and then they reappear it's kind of like something that people know is going to happen mm. now instead of it being oh my god where did he come from it's now oh yeah they're down there we'll see them come back in a minute speaking of oh my god where did this come from third match on the kickoff show for the Raw Tag Team Championships the Revival defending against Hawkins and Ryder you have fucking seven hours of TV a week and you've found a way of building a match to WrestleMania that is not really featured on TV at all. On WWE.com. <laughs> Jesus, what? <laughs> Cole absolutely slags off Hawkins for starting this match because he is 269 and oh in his losing streak. It's mental, that. <laughs> to be quite honest. Like, that has a losing streak, but also... I don't think that that's a specific number. I'm going to throw my hands out here. If anyone can go back and have a look at how many matches he's lost, I don't actually think that it's 269, but we'll run with it. I think it's a lot less. Mm. 
The absolute state of his wrestling gear as well. Yeah. Does not match riders whatsoever. No. You've supposedly known each other for 12 years and you can't dress alike. Come on. Oh, we get the demolition decapitation by the Revival, which gets an early two count. And Ryder has to escape with a double net breaker, which nearly sees him get to tag in. But Dawson took Hawkins off the apron. And I loved it. There was a spot here where the ref thought he caught some illegal double teaming for by the Revival and he was dead chuffed with it. But the Revival used that to just choke Ryder in the corner <laughs> while it was going on. Hawkins eventually gets the hot tag and then tags out back to Ryder really quickly. He hits the rough Ryder to Dawson and then him and Wilder take a really nasty tumble over the top with a suplex. Hawkins tags in again but gets brain busted on the floor. He gets rolled back in the ring but oh he's been playing possum and he rolls up Dawson for the free count to give us new champions after 13 minutes and 20 seconds. This was our first match that we watched, right? It was, and all I'm going to say is that I predicted that. Yeah. And I got shot down for it. <laughs> <laughs> it was a shock. There was no way that I thought that they would win. But, you know, it's nice. Zack Ryder's got another WrestleMania moment. So. Mm, yeah, but a relatively nice way to end this streak and put a bit of attention on this gimmick. And it built up pretty nicely after a double net breaker spot. I was okay with this. Okay, it's time for our main event of the kickoff show. It's for Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. Featuring Colin Jost and Michael Che from SNL, who got absolutely torn to shreds by Booker T. <laughs> Braun is fucking jacked, man. They look really good, don't they? Unbelievable. Yeah, you talk about people hiding. The SNL guys hide immediately yeah. underneath <laughs> the ring. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> and Lindsay got massively backdropped out of the ring to get mm-hmm. eliminated. Tyler Breeze is in this match and I did not recognise him at first. A little haircut. Yeah, that new hair. Oh, Harper and Braun stare down. If only. What yeah. could have been. Yeah. Titus eliminates Slater off the apron. Slater Gator explodes! <laughs> he tried the same on Ali but gets low bridged out. The Hardys hit Poultry in Motion on Bobby Roode and eliminate him. And there's a cool monkey flip by Andrade to eliminate Callisto. The double caterpillar to the Ascension by Heavy Machinery who eliminate the Ascension. It's so weird seeing him do the caterpillar. It's so weird. I'm desperate to talk about this. I love Otis Dozovic or whatever his name is. Every single time he comes across a challenge in wrestling, he does the exact same shtick. Cranes his tiny little neck back, opens his tiny little lizard mouth, and goes, and then decides to go ahead and confront it. I love it. (laughs) Braun double drop kicks Heavy Machinery, though, and eliminates them. Then he kicks Harper off the apron while he was suplexing Mustafa Ali. Nasty but innovative elimination. Andrade accidentally eliminated himself, doing a Hurricane Rana on Apollo to get him out. And then Che and Jost try to help the Hardys eliminate Braun, but it backfires and the Hardys get eliminated. Jost grabs the mic and he's brought a friend with him. Who do you think it is? Sean Connery, the board is yours. It looks like this is my lucky day. I'll take the rapists for 200. That's therapist. That's... That's therapists, not the rapists. 
Braun's having none of the therapist and heart punches and choke slams him. Che tried to eliminate himself, but Braun slapped the piss out of him. Braun gets Jost out, even though they teased Jost eliminating Braun. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? Braun wins in 10 minutes, 20 seconds. Like you say, does nothing for Braun really, but... No. Yeah, got dragged down by the crap at the end. You would think the last match in the kickoff would be the one that gets everyone amped ready for the start of Mania. That did not get me amped for the start of WrestleMania. The final hour of the kickoff show got broadcast on USA, yeah. and USA specifically requested this match be in that portion of the show because it's got the SNL guys who were right. from NBC Universal too. So political. Mm-hmm. Mm. Dave, anything? Do you know what? I did actually quite enjoy it. And I said this to you at the time. It was like, it, it made me laugh. It entertained me. That's the, the minimum that I ask for it anyway. At the end, it's a TV show, isn't it, at the end of the day. So that made me laugh. I enjoyed it for what it was. I enjoyed that the split second of disbelief where I thought that maybe Braun was about to get eliminated <laughs> by Colin Jost. <laughs> but it did what it needed to do for me. It was it was enjoyable enough. But That's fine. Yeah. Everyone, I think everyone, the problem with them is that everyone's just waiting for them to be over because you know what's coming next. Mm-hmm. So the short ten minutes is nothing really in the scheme of the, the night. So it was it was a nice sort of break from everything else before we got serious when it moved on to the main show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On to the main show. Yolande Adams sings America the Beautiful. I don't know who the hell she was, and I don't know who the hell composed that version of America the Beautiful. I don't see her getting any bigger after that. <laughs> like, you know, I, no, no idea. We get a random helicopter fly over, and the entire pyro budget for the year gets spent immediately. I didn't understand the flyover. No. It didn't make any sense. We thought someone was going to come out of it. Yeah. Mm. And then it was, oh no, it's just, just some helicopters. Usually it's it's jets and they just go ahead and yeah. the, yeah. the the stalling and stuff. I don't get what that was supposed to add to the no, presentation. It's odd. We then get a very cinematic opening video quoting Shakespeare, and it's got some nice photo shoots with this ring with neon ropes. I thought that looked really cool. Yeah. Even more pyro, and out comes our host Alexa Bliss, and Corey Graves immediately goes horny on Maine again. <coughs> She can snap her fingers just to get one WrestleMania moment. Oh, fuck off, racist hot dog. I don't know how that's a Mania moment for her. She's got to stand next to Hulk Hogan at Mania. Is that what she's saying? Is her Mania moment? What what qualifies a WrestleMania moment? Is it just anything that happens at WrestleMania? WrestleMania. (laughs) Because that seems to be what it is. Because, yeah, it wasn't particularly memorable. I had genuinely forgotten that entire bit had happened. About three three minutes after it. <laughs> Lucky for you. <laughs> a mania moment consists of you've either won a belt at mania or you're Jeff Hardy and you do a massive spot. That for me classes as a mania moment. Not having Hulk Hogan come out. <laughs> Maybe in certain quarters forgiving racism is a big WrestleMania moment, but not for but, me. Yeah. Paul Heyman is marching to the ring already. <laughs> He says him and Brock are not messing around and they want to go to Vegas later in the night, so they want to be on first. And here we go. It's our opening match of the main show with a universal title on the line. Brock Lesnar defending against Men's Royal Rumble winner Seth Rollins. Best place for this match, I think. It 
massive surprise having Heyman come out. Did not expect this to be first. It's cool. No, I, I, I liked it as well. I think a Brock match tends to go on last. So at least the fact that we got it over and done with at the very beginning was quite refreshing, I thought. Mm-hmm. Lesnar knees him in the gut before Seth can even get into the ring. F5 Seth on the floor, tosses him over the announce tables, and he looks kind of like a burnt piece of toast already. He's so yeah. bright and oh my god. The bell hasn't even rung because Lesnar won't let the ref check on Seth. He hit tosses him through the hood of the announce table, and then the bell finally rings, and oh joy, Suplex City is in session. But the F5 gets escaped. And Brock collides with the referee. So Seth hits a low blow and three curb stomps to win the championship in 2 minutes 30 seconds. Incredible. Yeah, <laughs> I'm no, so glad Lesnar does not have the belt. Fantastic, yeah. <laughs> Brock's best matches are always the shorter ones. He, he seems to only have, a, these days, a limited moveset. Mm. And it's basically suplex, F5, knees to the gut. And that tends to be a Brock match. Yeah. So the fact that they had... It go on first. It was quick. He did the job that he needed to do. Did it well. Acted like an absolute monster for the first portion of it, and then it was a clean pin. And I thought it was it was great. On the money there, something like it played into these sort of doom laden expectations you have early on in Lesnar matches, where he's just steamrolling people, and then the pessimism kicks in. But then suddenly the tide changes, and then. It's great. This is a super effective angle. Got everybody on board, amped up for the rest of the show. For me, I just wanted Lesnar to drop the belt no matter how that happened. So whether the match lasted 30 seconds, 20 minutes, whatever, as long as Rollins won, I wasn't bothered. Like you both have said, Lesnar did his job, put Rollins over completely. And we've now got a a better champion, basically. Did you hear the camera guy had to whistle at Seth to keep him on the ramp posing? He was no. about to walk to the ramp and like, no, no, keep, no. no, no. We, we need you. We need to keep the shot going. Oh, joy. Jerry the King Lawler joins commentary. They went full on WrestleMania 7 here with a revolving door announce table. Yeah. So it's our second match of the night. AJ Styles taking on Randy Orton. I feel like Randy Orton has nothing matches at the moment. I feel like he's been like that for a while. He sort of just turns up, doesn't he, and phones it in. Yeah. You know, I feel he does. But I was definitely intrigued because I think AJ elevates anyone that he's with. So hopefully, hoping to get some sort of a decent match out of him was, was what I was hoping for going into it. We spoke about it when we were watching it, about mm-hmm. how he has this like really relaxed persona of he's so chill in the ring. He's nothing special, but he just gets the job done. He will always get a minimum of three out of five because he knows what he's doing, but he can't get any higher. Spoilers, guess what rating I gave his match? (laughs) Brilliant. (laughs) There's an early RKO attempt that's blocked and both men trade drop kicks. At this point, I noticed there was a massive sweat stain on the canvas from where Brock got curb stomped into it. (laughs) Orton sends AJ off the apron and to the barricade and suplexes him into the barricade. Everyone's chanting about turning the lights off again as both men escape their finishes and Orton gets a power slam for a two count. The calf crusher gets blocked the first time but AJ escapes the draping DDT to finally hook it in 
and then he fakes out a dive to counter the RKO and hit a springboard 450 splash for a two count. Just like that first time that they wrestled together a couple of years ago. Yeah. Very nice. The phenomenal forearm gets countered into the three-point backbreaker. And then Orton hits a good spell here with a top rope superplex, draping DDT, and then eventually the RKO, but it only gets two. The super RKO gets blocked and escapes by AJ, who hits a Pele, the phenomenal forearm to the outside, and then one back in the ring to get the win after 16 minutes and 20 seconds. Yeah, I, I pretty much said what I wanted to say before the match. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, clean and wrestled, but even though it had a bit of decent back and forth, didn't really get out of third gear for me. Yeah. me. Yeah, I agree completely. I think it was one of those where it was always sort of a palate cleanser up to the rest of the night. It, it did exactly what it needed to do. AJ got the win, which is always good. But yeah, it was just it was just a decent match mm. more than anything else. Which again is pretty much Randy Orton all over. I was thinking then, and I can't genuinely can't think of a of a great Randy Orton match that I've seen. Certainly in the last few years, but it just goes show he's just sort of yeah he, he does a, a job that needs to be done. But yeah. So, okay. Oh, it's a Lacey Evans bomb. I don't understand what her problem is. <laughs> like, I don't understand it. I don't get it. What is she doing now? <laughs> we said that on the night, didn't we? It was like, what? What is even. What? <laughs> yeah, okay. This is your next women's wrestling star, apparently. Well, we'll see. Yeah. Believe it or not, we're already almost a third of the way into the show, so let's take a break from the main Mania card and talk about NXT TakeOver New York. And how freaking amazing <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Start to finish, amazing. Sometimes, like in a pay-per-view, you'll get one match that maybe doesn't just make the grade and kind of brings everything down, but yet again, with TakeOver, they just keep it coming yeah fabulous I thought the usual thing was going to happen where they open up with a tag match and they can't surpass the tag match but the second match out of a block immediately after that Riddle and Dream yeah fucking hell that was great yeah I enjoyed everything on that show to a certain extent I was really tired for the main event I really need to watch that again because that was the only one I wasn't really as invested in as the others until like all the near falls at the end started kicking in yeah but, yeah, every match on that show was a winner in some way. The main event was definitely my favourite match. It was an amazing match, absolutely loved it. The last 10 minutes, 15 minutes, was just I was shouting at the telly. I was like completely, completely engrossed in it. As soon as the Undisputed Era came out, I was like ready for shouting, shouting bullshit at the telly. I was just like getting ready to, to see Adam Cole win. Absolutely loved it. The only sort of bittersweet side of it is that you don't really get a payoff to the Gargano Champa story obviously through injury and stuff but I think it was a it was an insane match I think I don't, I don't know how they, they do it so consistently NXT and just every single pay-per-view they do every single takeover just seems to be quality from top to bottom and and it's just crazy that they even sort of four three four years later five years later from the sort of peak what you would say is like classic NXT they're still pulling out these insane shows and these insane matches like week after week it makes you wonder they're exactly the same wrestlers when they go up to NXT and they're on 
mainstream WWE pay-per-view, they don't get the same recognition. It's like, I think because NXT's like niche. Yeah. I think so. there's, there's definitely an element of that. I think you look at like Nakamura, one of my favourite matches of all time is Nakamura and Sami Zayn. Mm. I absolutely love that match. And then you look at him sort of nowadays on the main roster and he's sort of a shadow of, of mm. what he was, even just in that first match. It's more frustrating, I think, than anything else because you sort of, sort of you, you see these wrestlers at NXT and you absolutely love them. And then it's, it's never quite the same no. when they go up. I do wonder sort of in the future Pete Dunne going up eventually. You, you, you've got to imagine at some stage he'll be on the main roster yeah. mm-hmm. and what sort of happens with him at that stage. Because again, that was one of my favourite matches then I as well. I think the Volta Pete Dunne yeah. match. That even though it was sort of a foregone conclusion that Volta was going to win and you know what you're going to get out of a match with him, it's going to be fucking brutal as anything. It's going to be stiff, there's going to be slaps in there, but it still did exactly what you want it to do, and it was still, like, again, one of the, the best matches of the night, and again, the NXT UK guys consistently pulling that out of the bag, like the, the Tyler Bate-Pete Dunne match from a few years ago, that was the match of the year, yeah. Yeah. then this one, it was it was really, really good to see that as well. No, that was my favourite match of the show, mm. I was told I'm supposed to be disappointed by that, and I guess being on immediately after Dream and Riddle hurt people's expectations a little bit because that was just all action, blam, blam, blam. Mm. And Volta and Dunn's was more of a like cerebral strike fight for a large part of it. I just loved it, yeah. People keep telling me again, oh, oh Dunn got too much in on Volta. I'm like, no. <laughs> He's been... <laughs> 600 odd day champion. Exactly, like... yeah. <laughs> You're not going to mug him off. Yeah, just... you've got to give him something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thought it was my MVP, yeah. Kyle, who's your favourite? My favourite for the last three takeovers has been the tag team match. The spots that they, they, they were able to do, yeah. just absolutely incredible. So having that, you know, to kickstart the rest of the takeover was just like, poof. But I think for me, MVP Gargano, just because although you don't get the payoff of the Champa storyline, you you kind of feel like he's got to the end of the road that we, we've we been watching him do for the past few months. Yeah, definitely. So it's kind of, it's that payoff that I think that just chips him above the others. Match number three of the main card is for the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. The Usos defending against Rusev and Shinsuke Nakamura, The Bar, and Alistair Black and Ricochet. And the Usos are going to wrestle in their hoodies. I really like interesting style. fashion choice. I love how not gangster they are, but like how they're so chilled and and like we know what we're doing, so you lot better know what you're doing, sort of thing. Mm. Like I, I love that demeanor about them. I was half expecting an Usos and Hardy's dream match here, so this match felt a bit out of the blue. But there's lots of talent in it, so I wanted to give it the time of day. Yeah. Uh, I was not disappointed. There was tags all over the shop immediately, really playing off the chaos of the rules really well. Rusev and Shinsuke's gear is much better coordinated yeah. for a thrown-together <laughs> tag team than, than 12-year veterans of Ryder and Hawkins. And they've got some decent double teams together as well. 
Cesaro obviously is an absolutely awesome base for Ricochet, who just spiralled round and round and round and round in for the head scissors. Unbelievable. Then my favourite spot of the match, possibly one of my favourites of the whole night, is Cesaro swinging someone forever, all while Sheamus beats four different guys on the chest. <laughs> absolutely incredible. We get a shooting star press by Ricochet, but the pin gets broken up. Then a ridiculous Tower of Doom spot where Ricochet was at the very top of it and then somehow landed on his feet unharmed. Yeah, it lands at the other turnbuckle going, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> he hits a 6.30 to Sheamus, but everyone in the match breaks up the cover. Cesaro uppercutted a wave of Superfly Splash from one of the Usos, which cues everyone trading finishes, which eventually culminates in the Usos getting the double oos to retain their championships after 10 minutes and 10 seconds of a super entertaining all-action match. Everyone getting a decent spell of teamwork or offence. And, yes, yeah, super chaotic and a really appreciable change of pace from the previous match. Yeah, I when it's like a four-way tag match, for some reason, I always go blank with the rules. And when another tag team tags someone, I always think like, oh, they're just ignoring the rules now. So, and I'm like... Oh, no, wait a minute, they can do that. I'm thinking they're going down the WCW, fuck the rules <laughs> But, yeah, very strong. Really enjoyed it. Wanted the Usos to win. The Usos did win, so I was happy. It was good. Yeah, sunny. Yeah, similar to Kyle. I thought it was a good match. Nice change of pace from the one previous, definitely. Nice to sort of see Rusev and Nakamura in some aspect in, at WrestleMania. Because mm-hmm. I think they both really, really underutilised. So it was good to get them, at least get them on the show, get them doing something. The bar as well, which appears now to be to be done, which is a shame, because it was... <laughs> Lobster head! It was such a weird, <laughs> like, we'll start on a match at best of seven, and then now suddenly we're just a tag team, mm-hmm. and it sort of worked in a, in a really weird way. But yeah, good, good to get them in there as well. You're always going to get good stuff out of Cesaro. I sort of want, at some stage, if they're going back to singles com- competition... I need, I need a Cesaro, AJ Styles or a Cesaro ricochet match mm. at some point in the future. Whoever the money in the bank people are, apparently it's going to the whoever wins it is getting the big push this time. Because oh, really? they've, they've yeah they've said that the past two cash-ins have been like an absolute nightmare. So they're going to make that show this one because Baron fucked his up and Braun <sighs> fucked his up. So, apparently, they're going to make sure that this year's they're going to run with it. So, it'd be quite nice if it was, like, say, Cesaro, or, mm. you know, someone who you could really run with, not someone who's done it previously. I totally forgot Braun had the money in the bank. Yeah. I'm just going to be really disappointed now, because the idea that I heard isn't going to come to fruition, because Elias is booked to face Roman on the show, and... Somebody pitched that Elias should win so that instead of a Money in the Bank briefcase, I saw that he'd have a Money in the Bank <laughs> guitar case. Yeah. yeah, that would be quite quite cool. Mm-hmm. We'll get into some more of the post-shake-up changes as well, as we mentioned, the dissolution of the bar. Yeah. Recap of the Hall of Fame from the previous night with everybody getting paraded out in front of the crowd. Don't really feel... All that impressed with Triple H prutting about having fun just mere hours before his career threatening matchup. I didn't see a problem with it. Of course. Yes. <laughs> no. See, I found that odd as well. 
It just seems like a real disconnect. They can't really have it after the match because he's supposed to be beat up and like all the rest of it. But it just seemed a bit odd to have him out there, for no problems, an hour or two before mm. he was due to go out. But it is what it is, isn't it? He yeah. was just enjoying his time with his friends, and then when he goes back, his friends disappear and he gets into game mode. Oh dear. <laughs> Fucking hell, DX that previous night, though. Oh, I know. <laughs> Absolute insanity. Absolutely brilliant. I'm wondering if there were a few words, like, backstage afterwards of, like, mm, maybe you shouldn't have said stuff. Well, did you hear... Bret Hart's speech also mentioned Vince McMahon and the agent who worked that over with him resigned as a result of that yeah. because Vince was pissed, apparently. Yeah. We've got to talk about the attack as well because I was watching this live. I had absolutely insane insomnia. I was like, you know what? I'll, I'll just stick the Hall of Fame on. It's a nice, relaxing thing. People are just talking and then just see this guy tackle Brett. You hear Brett groan and then the screen goes absolutely blank. Yeah. All the feed's gone. It's just the scariest thing I've seen in a good long while. Oh, my God. One... It highlights that you've still got nutters about. Two, the security were absolutely shocking because it was the wrestlers that were actually the security. And that also highlights that they're not just wrestlers, they are people that you would not mess with. The knockout punch at the end on the, on the video. Who in the right mind wants to jump a fence and go and spear Bret Hart? I mean, I... Well, that's the thing. I don't think they're in the right mind. It's just... It's crazy. And like his Twitter account, loads of people were, were like not making him famous, but just saying like, go on his Twitter account, what his Twitter account. And I went on and it was absolute garbage that was on there of like him tweeting Vince and saying, you still not messaged me back yet. You've still, and you think, who are you to, for Vince to message you back? Like, just absolute garbage. I need to remind viewers that Triple H has still not mentioned Kyle in reply to any of our takes on the podcast. That, that, that is bullshit. <laughs> I thought Brett's line when he was re-beginning his speech was really good, but I was like, well, you know, a little example of what it's like to be a heel tag team in the 1985s, a little bit like that just now. Yeah. Like, well played. Two other things about the parade of inductees. Absolute anti-pop for Brutus the Barber Beefcake coming out. Nobody gave a shit. No. That was really awkward, wasn't it? <laughs> and the Warrior Award winner, Sue Aitchison, a.k.a. the Duchess of Queensbury. <laughs> yes. She brought out John Cena's 600th Make-A-Wish recipient out to the crowd. It was a really sweet touch. We then get the video package for our fourth match of the main card. It's Force Count Anywhere. Team Daddy Issues explodes as Shane McMahon takes on The Miz. Shane's got this gimmick where he demands Greg Hamilton introduces him properly over and over again. I used to like Shane. I don't like this character at the moment. I really don't. That's the point. (laughs) You're getting worked, Kyle. (laughs) I used to like him. No! No, what I mean is, The Miz's heel, like, I like The Miz's heel. Do you you know what I mean? No, no, but I'm loving him being a face. Yeah, oh yeah. He put so much like effort into Absolutely into the last sort of twelve months with everything that he's done. I think it was it's about time that he he got that sort of got that run. His face run for Miz is a bit of a revelation, really. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Shane also is all clad in black, so you know you're supposed to boo him too. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Mrs. Dad's at ringside again as well. Oh, nothing's gonna happen there. This was, I feel this was. Is this not your favourite bit where someone refers to him as Mr. Potato? <laughs> yeah. Oh, and he actually did. <laughs> it's gotta be Cora, surely. Yeah, it must have been. Oh dear. <laughs> so Shane plays cat and mouse right at the start, leaps over the barricade to suck a Miz in, and then takes control of a match. It's then fucking hell, no subtlety whatsoever. He's trash talking the Miz like, "What's up, Miz? Oh, you gonna come on there? Come on at me? What are you gonna do? Back elbow." And then it's the Miz with a back elbow. <laughs> it's like no wait time or anything, no change in volume. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah, I'm just gonna call a spot now. Okay. He sets up Miz on the announce table for the elbow drop, but George Mizanin begs off for the life of his son and then puts his jukes up. It was just such a weird spot. <laughs> to be honest, someone on Twitter has changed Shane McMahon to Brock Lesnar in that picture and that looks even better. So <laughs> the Miz is dad like that and Brock Lesnar just like with a smile looking at him. <laughs> <laughs> He's shown up in a, a lot of photoshopped <laughs> images lately. Yeah. Shane corrected his stance for him and then started beating him up, which is what starts Miz's comeback. Absolutely levers Shane. Brawls with Shane through the crowd. Shane gets a DDT on the floor for a two count. As I notice, there's a sign in the crowd saying, Val Venus is a visionary. <laughs> really cool spot as the Miz swings off the tension ropes holding the stanchions up and stuff, to kick Shane out to the floor. And someone in the crowd yells, Where's your Mean Street Posse now, Shane? <laughs> Where's Pete Gas hiding? <laughs> <laughs> Pete Gas has unfollowed us, I'm so sad. <laughs> <laughs> well, what have we done to deserve I don't that? know. <laughs> they brawl around the international announce teams. Mm-hmm. And Miz chokes on Shane through a table for two. <laughs> He then hits Shane with a monitor that sends Shane over the railing and has him bounce off a golf cart to hit the floor. What the hell? I, I, no, I like it. I like yeah. Yeah. I said, imagine if that golf cart wasn't there. Like, then surely there was a placement there and they made sure that that was... Because, ouch. Yeah, that spot wasn't happening. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it wasn't particularly, like, it wasn't cushioning, was it? No. It wasn't like it took a lot, that, that <laughs> golf cart took a lot out of the, out of the fall. Yeah. <laughs> No, I, I enjoyed that spot. <laughs> we get the school-crushing finale on top of a scaffold, but it only gets two. And then Shane climbs further up to where they're putting the hard cameras. And nice touch. He sells his knee, getting onto one knee to beg off a Miz. I loved that. Miz doesn't fall for it. Superplexes him off the scaffold. But Miz sank further into the boardwalks. So Shane wound up on top. And the referee counts three. And Shane McMahon wins the match after 15 minutes and 30 seconds. See, I'm absolutely adamant that that was a botch. No, I no, said no, it on the night. No, no, no way. I could, there was too much time between them hitting and then the camera getting round there for them to make that into a botch. If it was a botch, then Miz would have kicked out if that's not the From finish. That? Yeah. Really? I mean, I really enjoyed that match. I thought it was a proper false count anywhere match. It reminded me of Taker and Triple H at 17, <laughs> uh, where they go out to that same sort of scaffolding area. It reminded me of an old-school Shane match. The last man standing match, you have a big show that sort of, not, not a similar way, but 
finished like that and then he got picked up by who was he teaming with at the time? Test. Test. So yeah, Test picked him up and like propped him up on a brain. But no, I, I really, really enjoyed this match. Miz has, like I said, Miz has been amazing for 12, 18 months now. And I'm really enjoying him as, as a face. I find it odd, things that have happened in the weeks afterwards, that can't be the end of that feud. Mm. For it to end in a in a sort of unclean Well, that's why way. I'm, I'm thinking it's a botch. But, but then, yeah, that I don't understand. Miz has gone to Raw now, hasn't he? He yeah. is, yeah. And Shane will be on SmackDown. Yeah, yeah. So then, where's that? That yeah. that, that wasn't. He's not the end of a feud. So where where, where are we going to go with it? Mm. That is what my only sort of criticism after that match. But no, I th- thoroughly enjoyed that. I thought it was really good. Yeah, Kyle. Yeah, absolutely loved it. Like something we were saying about the different matches reminded me of Shane and Angle, like that sort of like brutality as well. <laughs> when Angle threw him through the wrong. On glass, <laughs> but not then. Oh, do it again. Yeah, you know, it, it, it didn't didn't break first time. Do it again. I'm already concussed. I can't get more concussed. Yeah, yeah I I really enjoyed it. Really, really enjoyed it. My only thing was the ending, and especially now, Mrs. On Raw, it, it didn't kind of make sense. But other than that, match was absolutely fantastic. Mm. In the context of some of the other people who are winning matchups on this show, which we'll get into later. We needed some heel wins, basically. Yeah. Yeah, I have written here, the banana peel finish is very good for the future of this angle, but seeing as how it's got no future, I'm starting to take a bit more issue with it now. Mm. I thought this was embarrassing at the start with Shane in control, and it turned around vastly when they got outside the ring and they had all the novel, like like you say, yeah. some proper force count anywhere. Yeah. Spots. And how has someone who's been back in wrestling for as long as he has still throwing such shit punches <laughs> as Shane? Like when he first came back, yeah, fair enough, he's been out of it for a while. They've got no better. They're so far away from, from his opponent that they just... That needs work. Yeah. I say that like he's going to listen to this, to this <laughs> podcast and be like, no, no, something's right. I, yeah. I do need to work on that. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. Thank All you. my millions of dollars, that needs to be what I need to work on because I'm doing it wrong. Speaking of millions of dollars, we get an advert for Money in the Bank, which will be the next pay-per-view. And then Paige joins commentary for the next match. I thought she was the most likeable out of all of the guest announcers. Yeah. Yeah, our fifth match of the main card for the Women's Tag Team Championships, the Boss and Hook Connection, defending against Nia Jax and Tamina, the Oriconics, and the Divas of Doom, Natalia and Beth Phoenix. Poor old Bailey's buddies didn't buddy up enough. No. And bless Billy Kay for struggling to get her maleficent horns through the ropes. <laughs> oh, Brett comes out to endorse the Divas of Doom on the ramp to that, a big pop. That was pointless. I was fine with it. No, I know. Like, it, there was no like bad thing about it, but I just, it, I just didn't feel like it was needed. That was all. There's a lot of actual wrestling that wasn't needed this night, <laughs> well, but we'll yeah. get to that. Yeah. <laughs> Tamina's got absolutely no time for anyone this match and causes it to degenerate into a schmoz immediately. The Iconics then start double-teaming Sasha and pose with their invisible championships again. They should do something about that. Anyway, the Iconics are very good at getting themselves tagged into this match, but then Beth suplexes both of them simultaneously and the Divas of Doom hit the heart attack on Billy. Nice touch for the newly inducted Heart Foundation. Bailey saved the fall from that one, and then she uses a suplex out of the corner to propel Sasha into the bank statement on Beth. That was really nice. 
Beth rolls through, but Sasha escapes with Glam Slam. And then Natalia hooks in the double sharpshooter on the champions. Tamiya and Naya return to the match. Stereo Simone drop on the Iconics. And then they tease Stereo Superfly splashes, but Beth has to make the save. Sasha hits a Meteora off the apron to both of the Divas of Doom. Then Bailey hits the elbow drop and Sasha hits the frog splash, but Beth still kicked out. Whoa. Natty saves Beth from a double superplex with an absolutely humongous spinning powerbomb to Sasha, which is great. And then Beth hits the super glam slam to Bailey, but Billy Kay tagged in the match and covers for free. <laughs> the iconics of the new women's tag team champions after 10 minutes and 45 seconds. I did not expect that. <laughs> no, I didn't. It was fine giving it the iconic, so that's fine. Like They'd be really good. But I just feel like it's odd to take it off Sasha and Bailey so soon. It's a new title. You want to build up some prestige to it. So have them defend it at least a couple of times and keep it for a few pay-per-views. And then sort of it, it feels bigger than when you, your, next, your next champion sort of takes the belts. But the match itself was, was reasonably enjoyable. I thought it was, it was good. But I just thought the, the, the end result was a bit odd. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same, right? It was a good match. You would like to think that they would keep the title run going because you're never going to get any prestige if you know, you've know you got seven belt winners and they've all won it once. Like, you've got to try and build it up a little bit. My thing now coming out of this, though, is that I don't feel like there's any true women's tag teams. It's just they've... they've getting two women and just throwing them together. The Iconics have always come through as a, as a tag team, so that makes sense. But now that Bailey's gone to SmackDown, Sasha's disappeared. I don't even know what's, what's going on with Sasha. But the, there's no other women's tag team that can really go against them. That's my only issue with it. No, I agree. I think they did a good job of adding to that in anticipation for this match and not assembling the teams for this match. Mm-hmm. But you're right, subsequently, it's a bit weird, like, where do we go from here? The Iconics are absolutely a, a great choice of champions if you're going to do a title change. Because, mm-hmm. you know, they're wrestlers who actually wrestle like a dedicated tag team and just their act together, they're brilliant playing off each other. Yeah, 100%. Of the teams in that match, yeah. they are the, the, the ones that you would pick. Certainly, yeah. They're the tag team, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It feels a bit out of left field because, like you say, we were all expecting Sasha and Bailey to have maybe a bit longer of a longer spell as these brand ambassadors for the championships. Mm. My guess is maybe they panicked a bit about losing Ronda and they wanted some more single stars. Mm. Yeah, still. I enjoyed the match. All of my favourite spots really revolved around the Divas of Doom. Natty and Beth were great in this. I love the finish, especially. It was a bit clunky getting from spot to spot at times, but yes, yeah, kept me perfectly entertained. For me, your two natural like contenders now are Riot Squad, because again, they work as a tag team. That they seem to have broken up. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, there's still two of them together, isn't there? And... Paige's tag team. Mm, yes. You know, they're another actual tag team that have worked together. So they're your two main contenders. 
up next, we've got the WWE Championship match, and both men's portraits get projected onto the Empire State Building. We then get a great career retrospective on Kofi, but then Brian calls him a B-plus player, and Vince McMahon agrees. That leads us into going in-depth on all the different hurdles that Vince has put into Kofi's way to get this WrestleMania matchup, and it took, eventually... Big E and Xavier winning a tag team gauntlet match to get Kofi this opportunity. I loved seeing the groundswell of support backstage while that match was going on. Yeah. You have a few people around the monitor and then the crowd grows and grows and grows and they're all cheering on. Love it. I, I love everything about this angle and the way it's been coming off. Yeah. So it's our sixth match of the main card with the WWE Championship on the line. The new Daniel Bryan... Defending against the New Day's Kofi Kingston. Biggie promises a gift for Kofi afterwards. <laughs> the box! The box! Crowd super hot for this match. Oh my god. We get some swish escapes from both men. And then a tope to the outside. And again we see the locker room cheering on Kofi backstage. Brian caught a reverse leapfrog by Kofi to turn it into a surfboard. And then backflips out of the corner, but eats the didn't get all of it double stomp. Brian dodges a springboard by Kofi, which sends him into the announce table and sees his midsection get worked over, including a top rope knee with Kofi draped over the ropes that got a two count. Once Kofi eventually escapes the bear hug, Brian builds some momentum back up again with the corner drop kicks and the counter out of a double stomp into a Boston Crab. Kofi gets the ropes, fights off the back superplex with elbows, and the crowd yeses along to yeah. Kofi's elbows. Loved it. The splash to the back then gets a near fall. The trouble in paradise is blocked. They trade cradles. The SOS gets escaped. Then a cross body is rolled through. And the label lock gets blocked. But then Brian <sighs> hooks his own version of a double stomp, only for Kofi to duck the running knee. But then the SOS gets countered into the label lock. Fucking hell, this match is exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> These two work so well together. They're so fluid in all their sequences. <laughs> Kofi strains and strains and eventually gets the foot on the rope and then fighting spirits up from the no kicks and the crowd are beyond hyped. He blocks the buzzsaw kick with a reverse suplex, which gets two. Rowan then attacks Xavier Woods on the outside, which leads to him eating a Trouble in Paradise and the Midnight Hour off the announce table. Kofi then intercepts Daniel Bryan's dive, but the Trouble in Paradise is ducked, and Bryan scores with a running knee, but Kofi kicked out. We then get nasty Rick James stops by Bryan, who takes his sweet time to lock in the label lock again, but Kofi refuses to give in. He escapes after Brian makes a gruelling attempt to hang onto the hole and hits the trouble in paradise. One, two, three, and history is made as Kofi Kingston is the new WWE champion after 23 minutes and 45 seconds. That was good. (laughs) (laughs) I really enjoyed it. Really, really enjoyed it. I really wanted Kofi to win that and... Like you say, the, the chemistry between the two, the movesets that they, they were doing just put the match along and it, it flew by the match. Mm. So, 
Yeah, great result. Great yeah, match. Second longest of the night really didn't feel that way. No, no, not at all. So I, again, like I, really, really enjoyable. I do enjoy Daniel Bryan's new character. But it's just him, isn't it, really? It's just like a, yeah. an exaggerated version of him. It's taken all the things that makes Daniel Bryan Daniel Bryan and sort of just t- dialed him up to 11 and, and sort of made him into this heel character. But then you look back at the whole 11 years since Kofi last had his, a title opportunity and I mean, my favourite part of it was sort of after the match when he gets his kids out and when the, the rest of the guys in the New Day sort of celebrating with him and you see the locker room celebrating as well and that sort of... I thought it played into the whole storyline really, really well. Yeah. And and when they do it right, do we do it? They do do it really, really well in terms of storyline. And that I did enjoy that just seeing the three of them because like you sort of take them for granted. I think I know a couple of years ago you sort of getting a bit worn out on the new day and they're sort of a bit boring. But yeah. I definitely think it's one of those things that that elevated that match storyline wise, and because the crowd was so into it as well. Mm, yeah. That always elevates a match if the crowd. Are, a pump for it and it was a really really good match yeah. really, really enjoyed it no this was just masterful what more could you ask for for a championship match both men wrestled to their strengths both men had plans to deal with their opponent's strengths the seconds at ringside disrupted each other more than they disrupted the match they traded counters on top of counters on top of counters when they convinced you Kofi had the upper hand, Brian had an answer. And then when they convinced you Brian would close things off, they showed you that Kofi had the spirit to carry on. The hero won, clean as can be. History was made, and you felt that history through all of the players involved. It wasn't getting beaten over your head by the commentary team or by authority figures. This is what makes wrestling amazing. <laughs> End of podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Xavier Woods is in tears as they unveil the traditional WWE Championship to a big pop. And then, like you say, Sammy, they hoist Kofi on their shoulders. Kofi's kids come in the ring. One of them hoists up the title themselves. Big E unveils his present as a There's a new champ! Yes, there is! T-shirt. And Tom Phillips hits a nail on the head. This moment is going to live forever. Yeah. My only small, small issue with this is that it kind of pulls the curtain down when the new belt was hidden under the the belt. As if to say we already knew it was going to happen. I know that the whole thing with wrestling is, is that, but I would have done the coronation the following on the Smackdown instead of having the belt underneath the the belt see I, I'd argue that it, it it's just the New Day being like super positive about it which has always been their whole thing like they've got the t-shirts printed yeah like we'll bring this belt out because in case he wins like I, I thought that played into it quite well just with their whole characters and their yeah. whole like persona didn't really bother me too much that. and the thing is as well they have the side plates for the champions now so Whenever there's a title change, they immediately get the new side plates on. So, like, how did they know to do that then if wrestling isn't at work? And yeah. you just say, well, they made both sets. Yeah. You know, so it's yeah, just I mean, like it's not, it, it doesn't affect the match in any way. It was, it was just a small thing that I thought, oh. yeah. There's a spot later on in the night that plays into this as well, yeah. which we'll get to. Alexa Bliss is backstage visiting the Saturday Night Live guys in the trainer's room. 
And it turns out the outsiders are going to give them a prostrate exam? <laughs> Why? It's... It was really weird, though. Yeah, it was. I think that this is the, the part of the night where I started feeling like I may have been hallucinating at times. <laughs> Booker T. Jones commentary for our next match, the seventh of the evening. The United States title is on the line as Samoa Joe, in his first WrestleMania match, defends against Rey Mysterio. In his first WrestleMania match in five years. Ray's dressed up like Spider-Man's Mysterio, appropriately. Yeah. Ray gets a huge tornado DDT, a Hurricane Rana, and a 619. And then Joe catches his wheelbarrow, locks in the Kikina clutch. Ray passes out. Joe retains in one minute flat. Ray was injured. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have nothing to say about that match. And we, we both said straight away afterwards, it's because he's injured. <laughs> it happened. Yeah. <laughs> we then get a sneak peek of Batista's new movie with Kamau Nanjiani, Stuber. I thought it looked interesting. It looked quite good. Next up, they hype Roman's return to one-on-one competition. Drew McIntyre walloped him when it was supposed to happen on Raw. So Drew made the challenge for WrestleMania. And... One line in particular that got Roman riled was the Haven't you put your family through enough? So that brings us on to our eighth match of the main card. Drew McIntyre facing Roman Reigns. And Drew gets played to the ring by the NYPD bagpipe band. So, so many fireworks for Roman's entrance. Yeah. Well, he, he's still Vince's top boy, isn't he? Mm. That's... <laughs> It doesn't matter whether he's on the kickoff show or wherever. There's going to be fireworks when he comes out. <laughs> I'm just picturing fireworks in Vince's eyes on the entire <laughs> Roman. <Robert. laughs> Baby, you're a firework. <laughs> Let them show you what you're worth. Quite frankly, make it go on, on, and on. <laughs> As we shoot across the sky, damn it. <laughs> Early on, Roman hits a Simone drop for an earfall. Drew hits a nice spine buster and then immediately goes into a jackknife cover, which I thought was swish. Roman replies with a leg drop with Drew draped across the second rope. But a big headbutt by Drew shows us that in terms of racist hard-headed gimmicks, Scotland beats Samoa. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> it's amazing. Drew does that inverted Alabama slam to Roman. Yeah. That's super impressive. So. Neat little touches from Drew in this match. Also impressive was when he crunches up from out of a tree of woe to suplex Roman off. He's about to hook the Future Shock DDT and claims, This is for Ambrose! But it gets countered. Simone drop on the floor, the Superman punch, and the fans are already going back to booing Roman. And Roman hits a spear to win in 10 minutes, 10 seconds. It wasn't anything amazing. Drew's obviously going on to bigger things. We you can kind of see that the way they're booking him. I guess they had to have Roman win this because it's Roman. Yeah, I don't think anyone was surprised with the result. Yeah. Which is fair enough. Like, I think if you think six months ago, he was sort of out not knowing when, if he was ever going to come back. Yeah. Great that he was on the card. As much as he gets a lot of shit, I think it would be weird to have a WrestleMania without him. But again, it was it just did what it needed to do. He was he was never going to lose that match, so it was more of a, just a 
yeah, we'll, we'll we'll get this match done. We know what the result is going to be. Let's just have a decent match, which we're seeing was okay. And it also makes more sense now. Now Roman's made the switch to SmackDown. Mm-hmm. Of like that can now be the end of that. Yeah, some nice offensive flourishes from Drew, but other than that, I thought it was a bit lackadaisical and middling and a little mm. bit plodding. Yeah, a match for having a match. We're about two thirds of the way through this slog of a WrestleMania now. So, Kyle, you mentioned the Superstar Shake-Up. Let's go into some of the movers and shakers. Raw, we've got The Miz, Ricochet, and Alistair Black, who's now gone back to SmackDown. Yeah, <laughs> yeah this is like the least thought-out Superstar Shake-Up in a, a long while. Yeah, Andrade has also went to Raw and then gone back to SmackDown. Yeah. Well, Fox wanted more Latino stars, yeah, didn't yeah. they, on, on SmackDown? And then they don't split up married couples anymore. Because Zelina Vega is married to Alistair Black, they yeah. had to move him back. Yeah. But then it was funny because a lot of people were saying that it was just like a big dick move from from Charlotte getting Andrade back onto SmackDown where she was, but it actually had nothing to do with it. It just turned out yeah. to be that it was this whole the, the Fox thing. Yeah. yeah. Any heat that they can give Charlotte. <laughs> Yeah, it's really the first time they've actually thought about keeping couples together. Like, Naomi and the Usos went together. Yeah. The Viking experience on Raw with Sarah. However, they're not the Viking experience anymore. They've changed the name again. <laughs> the Viking Raiders, yeah. and then there was a survey out that called them the Viking Warriors instead. Yeah. I mean, the Viking Raiders is marginally better. It's still mm. not particularly good, but it is, it's a massive improvement over... The Viking experience, which I'm pretty sure I've been to in York. <laughs> I was too cheap get, to get in when I went. <laughs> there, there was a guy in the 80s that was called the Viking experience. A, a guy? Yeah. How is a guy an experience? I'm, I'm lost. <laughs> is he like a strippergram or something? <laughs> no. Guy on Twitter always posts loads of videos. That Brian the Guppy, is he called? All right. Yeah. So he posted a video on of, of a guy coming into the WWF ring. And you're all in the Viking garb, and, he, and his nameplate came up, and it was the Viking experience. Right. <laughs> it's just like that's they've just recycled it. Mm. I think they've loaded SmackDown way, 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 way too much. Jinder and the things that you do, because that's what SmackDown needs more wrestlers. Yeah, and then they just got completely pounded by Lars Sullivan. <laughs> just yeah. Uh, I'm pissed off. Nikki Cross doesn't appear to have a brand yet either. No. I think the Roman one to SmackDown makes sense. I think that's a good move. Yeah, AJ going to Raw as well, I think, is a good move. There's going to be some good matchups that we're going to be able to have with, with those guys switching. As much as it was good to see AJ on SmackDown all the time, because he did really, he built SmackDown live, like with, with his title reigns and stuff, it's going to be good to see them going up against other people. And Finn SmackDown now. Mm-hmm. I'm gutted that we've not got a Finn AJ battle off. That would have been really nice to see. Because that's what I was thinking when AJ came to Raw, and I was like, oh my god, we can have AJ and Finn. And then the next night, Finn was like, oh for god's sake. <laughs> yeah. Smackdown, let's say, not just wrestlers in general, but tag teams and women's division wrestlers, absolutely stacked. Like, yeah. Raw's a bit. Uh, interesting to see what happens in, in September time. When it moves to Fox. Moves to Fox, yeah. And, I mean, you would argue that that's going to be the A show going forwards. That That's going to be where the majority of the viewers are going to come through. So it is going to be interesting to see 
at the sort of the, the shift over the next six months to see which one becomes the main show. Whilst it's maybe a little bit underwhelming to previous shakeups, I still think there's a lot of fresh matchups that you're going to have and a fre- lot of fresh storylines you'll get through from it. It's always, always confused me that Raw's the main show, yet the WWE Championship isn't on Raw. I mean, to be fair, there was no championship on Raw for quite a long time. Well, I know, <laughs> I know, but it's like your, your main show, surely you have your main belt. So, like, the SmackDown belt should be the Universal title. I'm sure yeah. someone's had somewhere that Universal means it's better than the WWE Championship because it includes the whole universe <laughs> rather than just the world. Well, yeah, but, I mean, you know, the, the amount of people that have held the WWE title to the amount of people that have held the Universal title are, are being inclined to try and get the WWE belt. Mm. <laughs> the one thing I do want to talk about, though, is the Firefly Funhouse. I used to be a very bad man. Okay. I deserve that. But trust me, I have been barbarically punished for all of my wrongdoings. And that part of me is dead now. What is that bullshit? I love it. I absolutely love it. I think it's great. I think it... It's one of those gimmicks where it can either go horrifically wrong or can be absolutely amazing. And it will just have to, only time will tell which way it goes. Mm. But I think you you could probably argue that if you'd have gone back to the original broken Matt Hardy gimmick, that you could have looked at that and said that was pretty stupid, but it became pretty insanely popular really over the the course of the time that he, he used it. I mean, you need something a little bit different from Brian. Because he's in, in that shtick he's sort of said he's just become a bit of a joke. He has the, he gets built up with these feuds and, and tends to come out of them losing. Yeah. And to have him maybe something a bit more sort of playing on his sort of whole sort of mental side of things I and mean, maybe losing it a little bit. Yeah. I think it could be quite interesting. If they go down the, the sinister route of it, it could be quite entertaining and quite... I've, I do quite feel fun. like in that video especially, they have hinted towards... He could potentially have a like go to the Bray persona, mm. you know, by saying, "Oh, I've seen the light," um, but I, I try and keep the dark out, and like he could end up being quite similar to like Finn, in the you know he sometimes it pushes out a little. Mm. In his old gimmick, he essentially turned himself into a snake in his own tail just going round and round in circles no mm. end result so this is going to be the thing that has to differentiate there needs to be an end game here mm. I really enjoyed it in general at first when I heard him break out his big bold Dallas voice I was a bit worried like oh this feels awfully mid card mm. then some of the flourishes came in like when he put the gloves on and apparently he listened to what, what was it what were the words written on his gloves yeah I, it was like was it love and fear or something something like yeah, that like anyway fear and pain or yeah and he, he listens to like the worst one when he decides to use the chainsaw did any of you guys spot someone made a compilation of some of his old tweets before he cleaned out his Twitter no they were like log book entries for a patient in an in, a mental institute 
And the theory is that the Bray Wyatt character has been away getting rehabilitated. And this Playhouse thing is... This is sort of the result of him being rehabilitated. So he's still Bray Wyatt. Yeah. He's so, not repackaged him. But you see the screen flicker when the gloves came out. Yeah. So there's something going wrong under the surface with how he's been treated or whatever. So yeah. that's, that's the rumour. That's cool. That's cool. I like that song. It's going to be good. Yeah. yeah. On to our musical act of WrestleMania. As Elias goes all three faces of Foley on us playing drums, piano and guitar. And when fans sing Walk With Elias to the tune of Seven Nation Army, he plays a little strum of it on the guitar. I quite liked that. I that was it nice. We took it out of the replay, though. Oh, didn't it? Yeah. yeah. Oh. It's a shame. He's interrupted by strange archive footage of Babe Ruth calling his shot. The Babe coming out for a curtain call. <laughs> It's for Dr. Fuckingomics, John Cena. Holy shit. Incredible. See, as someone who's missed that whole era of John Cena and only seen sort of bits of it in, in clips since then, I absolutely love this bit. It was completely unexpected. That all night, it was like, oh, who, how's John Cena going to be involved? But then who's going to be coming out to interrupt Elias? I don't think anyone would have been able to predict, to predict that. But I, know, I absolutely loved every second of it. <laughs> Amazing. So many great lines in here as well. You standing in the ring when John Cena about to turn heel. He even slugs off his own films. (laughs) He calls Elias a wasted wrestling experiment and a little piece of shih tzu. Then brags about being the golden shovel, so I'm about to bury your push. He can't promise an AA, but he can deliver an FU. Love it. Takes Elias out. Fantastic. Lovely palate cleanser segment. This is exactly how you should pitch a non-wrestling WrestleMania moment. Yeah. Yeah. Lovely. Next up, it's Batista versus Triple H, and they get projected onto the Empire State Building. Triple H's career is on the line, and the video package recaps Dave ruining Nietzsche's birthday. I'm in control here, and you're going to give me what I want. Well, well if you're in control, <laughs> why does someone have to give you anything? Yeah. Triple H quips, If I can't beat a self-deluded beep like you, then I don't deserve to be in this business. So it's our ninth match <laughs> of the main card. A no-holds-barred, career-threatening match. Batista facing off against Yubilichi. Shawn Michaels is on commentary for this and he keeps referring to Batista as Dave, which is a bit overly familiar (laughs) for your best friend's main rival. Batista got a motorcade and somewhere in the back, Xavier Woods is marking out to his entrance. Me, 
See, all I could think of during that entrance, it's probably the wrong thing to concentrate on. It's just bare skin against leather, and how sticky that will have been in the back of that, the back of that, that car. Thank Christ we didn't do this spot with Lesnar, because they'd never get him yeah, off his yeah. seats. Oh, poor Dave trips up getting into the ring. Oh, no. And he has a laugh with Mike Roman, the ref, about it in the ring. Triple H's Mad Max Fury Road entrance is about four years too late to have very much. Although I guess Borderlands 3 is out this year. It is. You kind of fit in with that. Cole quips, how cool was that? I.e., please find this cool. I thought it was cool. Yeah, you were. (laughs) It takes about mm, 30 seconds for them to get outside the ring and then we get a terrible leap off the announced desk by Triple H. He gets a toolbox and gets a chain, which is a great callback to their Hell in a Cell match. <laughs> but <laughs> Batista had to position the chain over the exact spots around his face that they needed it for the spot to work. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, Hunter's learning from his NXT UK son, Pete Dunne, going after Dave's fingers with a wrench clipper thing. <laughs> really gruesome. And then he pulls... Batista's nose ring from out of his nose with some pies. Cool spot. Sean notices, oh, his nose is bleeding. And Graves replies, you think? (laughs) Dave suplexes Triple H on the announce desk to fight back. And a kid in the fourth row yawns as Dave tries to end Triple H's career with a clothesline out of a corner. The pedigree is countered with an air raid crash by Batista, just like their WrestleMania 21 match. Mm. He puts the stairs onto the Spanish announce table, stands on them and goes to Batista bomb Triple H through the English table, but H backdrops out of it and Dave bounces off the table, which doesn't break. Then Triple H spears Dave through the German table and finds two sledgehammers underneath the ring. But he got speared for a near fall, Batista hits a spine buster, and we get another Hell in a Cell callback as Batista hits the Batista bomb before Triple H could swing him in the head with the sledgehammer. But Triple H still kicks out. Batista then gets the base of the steps in the ring, but Triple H escapes the superplex onto them and powerbombs Dave onto the steps. Then hits the pedigree, but Batista kicks out. A sledgehammer attack is then blocked, and Batista DDTs Triple H onto the steps, and he does a 180, brother. Yeah. Oh, Nature Boy arrives and hands Triple H the second sledgehammer. Mouths off to Batista, and that distraction allows Triple H to hit the Superman sledgehammer shot, jumping off the steps, and the second pedigree to get the win and hang on to his career for another year at least. In 24 minutes and 45 seconds, longest match of the night. Deserved it. <laughs> we'll start with you, Kyle, because it's only <laughs> going to go downhill from here. Oh, well, I'm, I'm guessing I'm riding solo on this one in saying that that was a really good match. Oh, no, no, no I, I thought I enjoyed it. it yeah. The exact result that I expected, even though every single fibre of my being was hoping that Batista would win. It realistically, I knew it was never going to be the case. Yeah. But no, I enjoyed the match. Nobody bought into Triple H losing here, and I think that hurt the atmosphere around yeah, the match. Yeah, yeah. You know, with the way Triple H's gas tank is, and the way that he's always wrestling these other part time 
wrestlers because he's this safe hand. It was always going to be a long match. So, you know, it, it was a bit slow, but I really appreciated all the callbacks to all their past moments yeah. in the feuds. I really, really appreciate Dave for coming back and he looked in great shape. And Triple H might not be done, but this is it for Batista. He announced pretty much immediately after on Instagram that he's retiring from wrestling after this. Yeah. I thought it was a cool way of doing it. Rather than having this big whole, like, drawn-out sort of thing, you know, sort of the fans want to get on to the next, the next match. They want to... They, it was... They, they think towards this point of the night, I certainly got to the stage where I was just like, come on, I just want this... I want the main event now. I, I want the... Not particularly fussed about the other match, I just want the main event. Mm. But I thought that was quite quite cool to just do it and have it done. Quite low-key, really. Like, I didn't get a big send-off or anything, which I quite liked. But yeah, no no real surprises that that was how the match ended. No, that's where you go at, really. Come back, do a favour for someone who did massive favours for you mm. only on your career, give back a bit. And yeah, very, very I can't good. help but feel like he came back too late, though, in terms of he should have he come back sort of 2014, maybe. Well, that's there. Sort thought. of the height of Guardians of the Galaxy. He absolutely killed it in that. You'd think, from a money point of view, you think, well, if we can get this guy in who's so famous now let's get him in and make some money off him which just seems odd but I'm glad that he has come back and he's had yeah I think when when he did come back he did did it wrong completely wrong which is why he got so much heat yeah no I I agree it was because no I didn't expect him to retire after this I I kind of thought oh he might he might do a few more cameo appearances and stuff because that's what was talked about but I think what the nail in the coffin was outside of wrestling is the announcement of James Gunn coming back to Guardians because that's kind of his next big thing now he's off filming mm. so we'll see but yeah 5 out of 5 for me <laughs> fondest memories of Batista <laughs> overall then I'll always remember his debut with Devon thinking who the fuck is this guy <laughs> with, a, with a little money thing around his neck I, I remember that fondly and my biggest not surprise or anything was you know when Triple H had his hit list on Goldberg it was Batista that came out oh right yeah you know he was the one that kind of got the money for that and that was like the, the big bring him into evolution sort of thing like, mm-hmm. was, it, was it his return from injury or something yeah 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 that was another highlight something I take it you missed most of his prime yeah I did I, 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 I sort of remember him first coming in with Brother Devon and being this sort of silent, like, monster. I did enjoy that. I think the majority of mine was, I seem to remember playing as in quite a lot on Smackdown vs. Raw 2012, it must have been at the time. And that, they're sort of my main memories, weirdly enough, even though I he's been around all this time, and I've been aware of him for so long, very few proper memories of him. But I enjoyed his, his little run back in 2013, 2012, 2013, when he... So I won the Rumble, came back, feuded with Daniel Bryan, and sort of was part of that whole story of getting Bryan to the to the top of 30. I think for me he's more more acting than no one else. Even though I know yeah, he's from he's from wrestling, this is where he started out. I think recently he's he sort of made that transition really, really well. And I, I do think he, he takes a lot of very interesting roles as well. Not sort of like The Rock where The Rock just plays the rock in every film and he's just the rock. Whereas Batista has a, a, a nice variation on, on the stuff that he goes for. Mm. 
Two big ones for me. It's rivalry with The Undertaker in 2007. Absolute gold. Yeah. Really big turning point for his career and The Undertaker's career because that was when they really started to put more attention into Undertaker's WrestleMania feuds and putting him up to the standard that he had with Orton at WrestleMania 21 again. And reportedly it was a, like a make or break moment for Batista. They just killed it every time they were together. Yeah. Um, the other one is his heel run, his like Kanye West VMAs heel run back end of 2009 and the start of 2010. Yeah. Absolutely adored that. What an incredible performer. You can relive more of that with me and Lee on the Royce Nitro podcast every now and then. Plug away. <laughs> Alexa Bliss is backstage once again with the B team who are wearing Daniel Bryan's ready-made t-shirts that he had celebrating his assumed title win. That's not very friendly to the planet. No. <laughs> they sing Seven Rings and Farouk arrives and yells, Doom! And JBL is out on commentary for the next match. It's the 10th of the main card, Kurt Angle's retirement match. Seeing Kurt Angle face off against WrestleMania's favourite son, Baron Corbin. What a fucking stupid match. Mm. Not happy. It seemed odd in the first place, and then the fact that they've not found some way of changing it makes it even even more so. Mm. I think it would have been would have been nicer, I think, maybe John Cena would have been a good way to go out. But that doesn't seem to have done anything for Baron. The, the result of the match, or the, him having this final match with Angle, doesn't seem to have done anything for him either. No. It just seems to have sort of been a a nothing match, which a lot of Baron Corbin seem to be. I don't know. I just it's a weird one for me. Mm. Really weird. Yeah, we get a belly to belly right away, and then rather unsurprisingly, becomes very uninspired when Baron takes control of this match. He taunts Kurt Angle's kids. But then it's a triple German suplexes and the crowd is silent. Everyone's knackered and yeah, I just don't think they want to see Kurt go. I don't think they want to see this match. The ankle lock gets countered with a deep six. Corner charge gets dodged and the angle slam gets a near fall. Kurt brings the straps down, old school, gets Barry in the ankle lock again. Then mocks John Cena once he escapes but eats three more German suplexes. Which... Sets him up for Angle to try the moonsault for one last time. It missed. Baron hits the end of days for the victory in six minutes and five seconds. In a pretty bit of a downer and a real shame. Kurt did the right thing and I like the finish of Angle wanting to go all out one final time. Something that he atypically does and it backfiring. But... Next night on Raw, he's making Baron squeal like a pig in the ankle lock again. It's like you say, what does this do for Baron? Yeah, no, nothing. Angle thanks everyone post-match, and everyone gets one final You Suck chant. And then he gets a very hearty elevation. You know, it, it's nice reception from the fans. I just feel that it was the wrong call, having Baron even in the main show. <laughs> thanks for everything, though, Kurt. Match number 11. Talking about matches that didn't really need to be on the show. For the Intercontinental Championship, Bobby Lashley, accompanied by Leo Rush, defending against the Demon Finn Balor. Lashley's wearing some very devilish-looking contacts. 
Oh, and Finn's demon comes down from a very, very perilously tall platform. Yeah, it's quite cool, that. I'd be scared shitless that, that. I feel like, is that not... Have they not reused that? I'm sure, did Bobby Roode not come down on something similar on an NXT? Alexa Bliss Maybe. did it Maybe. Well. Shawn Michaels did it, WrestleMania 25 too. Yeah. yeah. It's really funny. You can hear, once the bell rings, David Arquette in like the third or fourth row yells out, Leo Rush, I beat your ass! He says one to Batista as well, doesn't he? I think so, yeah. Yeah, your tattoos are shit. <laughs> <laughs> we get a Booker T tribute act by Finn at the early goings of this match. And then a tope on Hilo. But Lashley hits a spine buster. A pair of huge suplexes to get Finn back in the ring. Finn hits a sling blade on the outside and then growls at Leo to scare him off. But then gets speared off the apron through the ropes by Lashley. It's mm. a cool spot. A second in the ring gets Lashley a near fall. And then, Christ almighty, at the third time of asking, Finn powerbombs Bobby Lashley and then hits a coup de grace to get the free and his second reign as Intercontinental Champion after four minutes and five seconds. They had to get it off Lashley. He's the most boring champion. I'm not saying Finn's any better at the moment because of the stuff that they're doing with Finn, but... Like the whole Lashley Leo Rush thing just it doesn't work. And if you look year to year, like Lashley debuted the day after WrestleMania last year, and then he's here, he's on the card, he's the Intercontinental Champion. You might think, oh well, okay, he's got a fair bit of equity here. But like you compare it to some of people's expectations, like he's always wanted this Brock Lesnar match that's never happened, mm-hmm. and like you say, he's been made to be a bit bland and toned down from his TNA work. I'd have thought when he made his debut, it was like, oh wow, we've got another contender for the championship, like the the main belt. And yeah, he just fell off a cliff. I I mean, for the time given, this was fine. He had some decent energy, but I don't think this really needed to be on the show, to be honest. No. No, No, I I agree. As much as I love Finn, I think it was a bit of a, it was a foregone conclusion. I don't understand how with a match like this one, Kurt's not lasting too long. Samoa Joe and Rey Mysterio are going for so long that they still felt pushed for time. And as we get closer to the end of the, the end of the night, it still felt like they were trying to cram stuff in. But then you've got three matches there that are combined sort of bell to bell less than fifteen minutes, twenty minutes. Mm. Which is really which seems crazy. No one really thought that Finn was gonna lose. This demon Balor has been sort of built up into this this big thing and it seemed sort of squandered on a five-minute match at sort of... Is it the next match the, the main event? Yeah, yeah. So it's like sort of... That always seems to be the filler match. They always have one before the main event just to sort of give people a bit of a break and stuff and it just seems like an odd place to waste that gimmick. And like I said, there'd never really be any sort of danger of him losing it. Mm-hmm. Or, or losing against Lashley anyway as the Demon. I don't, I don't see... There doesn't seem to be any rule as when he's the demon and when he's not either. Like on NXT, you knew that every every takeover event you were going to get the demon. Suddenly, it seems that as soon as they go to that, he goes to the main roster. It's, there's no real written rule. It just seems to be whenever the he can be bothered sitting there and getting painted up. But yeah, I mean, it, it did what it needs to do. Again, like I said before, at this stage, you're just wanting to get to the main event anyway. So it's more just a case of get the match over and done with, get through it, and then we can get to the main thing. Yeah. It should be every pay-per-view. I used to love it whenever it used to be, like, pay-per-view time. People would have, like, 
they'd have specific costumes, you know, with it being not just WrestleMania, but any pay-per-view. So, like, you would always count on Mysterio to have some cool... But Sasha and Bailey do it quite a bit, don't they? It yeah. tends to be Eddie Guerrero or Randy Savage that they, they, they take a lot of sort of influence from, but they, they, they do it quite often. They change things up quite a bit. The New Day tend to do it as well. They change up quite a bit as well. Mm. Various video game-related yeah. stuff, don't they? But, yeah, I do agree. They always felt like more of an event yeah. back in the day. They were trying to get people to pay $35 or whatever it was for three hours, four hours worth of content. They always needed to make it more of a spectacle but it does feel nowadays it's very much just another episode of WWE rather than it being something special other than the big four it doesn't really ever feel like anything majorly special yeah as an audience is narrowed as well I think with the regular television shows quality wrestling is more and more expected to be a high part of that as opposed to setting up for quality wrestling later on that you're going to have to pay a little bit more to see well that's it back in the day there wasn't as much wrestling on the shows I've been going back and watching the old like 97 onwards Mm. and there's very little wrestling they tend to keep like the big fuse that they know they've got for these next pay-per-views tend to keep them apart quite a lot three hours there's too much too much time to fill yeah and then not enough time to fill on Smackdown (laughs) now that they've got so many people over on that roster but yeah, I mean, the, the, the match itself was fine. It did, it did a job. <laughs> For one last time, our host Alexa Bliss comes out and announces the official attendance of 82,265. She then brings out the fabulous truth for a dance break. We could have probably done with that a little bit sooner. Yeah. <laughs> we then get a Pirates of the Caribbean-style vignette advertising WrestleMania in Tampa next year. All eyes on Kyrie Sane there. Right, finally, it's time for the main event. <laughs> it's winner take all. Win, 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 winner take all. I thought it was nice that the song you're playing had the Flesa going up, Flesa going up line just when she's winning the championship. Yeah. I don't know what you lads thought, but I thought the go home angle with the police and stuff was a nice bit of fun. Yeah. I love seeing Ronda getting kneed in the head, sticking out the car window. That was phenomenal. So, it's our main event. Winner take all. The Raw Women's Champion Ronda Rousey faces the SmackDown Women's Champion Charlotte Flair and the Royal Rumble winner Becky Lynch. Charlotte gets flown in via a helicopter. Think Ric Flair's Great American Bash entrance that time. Yeah, I still thought it looked stupid, but anyway. <laughs> the only bit that didn't work for me was when she landed and she got her robe on. She did her little wink to the yeah. camera that she usually does in the split. Yeah. The whole getting the gown on looked a bit off for me. Joan Jett is here to play Ronda Rousey to the ring. And it's funny, Ronda can't help but smile. She's supposed to be this angry heel now. But she's yeah. like, yeah, my life's pretty cool right yeah. now. <laughs> Becky's got cool hair, that's about it. Yeah. (laughs) For the challenger side of things. All right, they really lay into each other with strikes in this match. Oh, my days. We get a Piper's Pit on the floor to Charlotte and one into the guardrail for Becky. But then Becky posts Ronda and Charlotte hits an exploder suplex into the barricade. Charlotte and Becky then both try to steal their finishes, but Ronda climbs up Charlotte to kick Becky. 
Charlotte tried to powerbomb Ronda while Ronda had Becky in an arm lock, but Ronda turned that into a simultaneous submission hold hanging over the ropes. And when Becky escaped, she drop kicks Ronda off the apron and <laughs> the landing she took. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Not very fake, is it? No. <laughs> <laughs> Becky turns the moonsault from Charlotte into the disarm her. And then an uh, armbar attempt by Ronda is ended by a knee in the face from Charlotte. I love that car shot. Double natural selection by Charlotte. Then Ronda no-sells the chops, so Charlotte chops her in the mouth instead. Yeah. Great. Ronda's triangle choke is then countered into the Boston Crab. And then in an amazing spot... Becky slides in the ring, flips Ronda off as she's in the hole before breaking up with a bulldog. Yeah. <sighs> she DDTs both women at once for a two count and then meets Charlotte up on the top rope with a super exploder for a near fall. But then Ronda crossbodies both of them for a near fall and hooks them both in the simultaneous armbar. And it took three power bombs for Ronda to finally break the hole. Becky locks in the disarmer on Ronda, and then when she escapes into the turnbuckles, she hooks in again into the turnbuckles. Charlotte makes a save and Spanish flies Becky off the top for a near fall. Yeah. She sends Becky headfirst into the buckle to counter the disarmer, and figure falls Ronda around the ring post. You can really see Ronda's shin's super bruised. Yeah. The figure eight is locked in back in the ring, but Becky flies in from out of nowhere with a leg drop to break it up. She gets a table, and Ronda doesn't approve. Tables are for bitches! Cole informs us, Ronda says, I don't need a table, and Renee corrects him. It's not quite what she said. (laughs) The Piper's pit is blocked, and Flair spears both Ronda and Becky for a near fall. She tries it again, but gets double hip-tossed through the table. Ronda hits a huge shining wizard and goes for the Piper's pit, but Becky counters with a roll-up. It gets a free count, even though Ronda's shoulder kind of accidentally went up in the takedown. Oh, but anyway, Becky wins, pinning Ronda. Holy shit. She wins and therefore takes all after 21 minutes, 30 seconds. Yeah, really, really good, I thought. The finish was a bit meh, but... All three of them worked together. There was very little downtime in the match and there was lots of cool spots involving all three of them at once. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I thought it seemed that the finish was a, a bit flat. And going back to before, I was saying like the sort of the segments that you didn't really need, it felt like the last third of the match seemed a bit rushed. It was like the, the pacing was quite good, I thought, through the first sort of, 15, 20 minutes maybe. And then they sort of just got to the end almost as if they'd been building up to it and they just right, we need to get it over and done with, get it done now and get it get it finished, which sort of soured it a little bit for me. I, was, I did enjoy it, it was, a, it was a good match. I thought there were a couple of bits that made me a little bit clunky, but on the whole it was it was good. I think Becky Lynch just got that character down perfectly. There's elements of other characters sort of Female over the years. It, yeah, <laughs> but I still think she's got, you have to be of a certain sort of character to pull that off. Not everyone could, could pull that off and she's done that amazingly, I think. I've always been a fan of hers and it was like frustrating the last couple of years sort of not seeing her get that push yeah. and seeing Charlotte especially getting that push that you sort of think back and go back over the last few years, that really should have been necessarily her 
push that she's got. But I enjoyed the match. I liked that they didn't do the whole curtain call thing at the end. I was a bit concerned that they might go down that route with it being the first female main event. So yeah, I'm, I'm glad they didn't do any of that. But no, really enjoyed it. Mm. That was good. Yeah, cool. I'm exactly the same. Really enjoyed it. Really enjoy how they all work together, regardless of whether Ronda's annoyed either of them with some of her comments in particular. It was the right decision having Becky win, and I can't wait to see where it goes moving forward. I mean, she's got a hell of a money in the bank. Double duty. Yeah, two matches. So we'll see. I mean, ideally, you'd like to think that she'll lose one, just so then it splits the brands again. Yeah. But we'll see. Awesome way to close, yeah. Mm. Whew. Thoughts on the show overall? Very good. I think it's much better than it actually was because of how bad the last few manias were. But, you know, I, I really enjoyed it. I really, really enjoyed it. Best match for me. <laughs> I can't say Triple H and Batista, can I? Because I'm a fan, but I, I do know that it wasn't the best. Fast forward to December, much of the year, <laughs> much of the year. <laughs> I'd probably say Kofi and Brian, closely followed by Triple H and Batista in the second. And I think your MVP's got to be Kofi, just because of the story-wise and, you know, the payoff and, and all that sort of stuff. Not about it, Sonny. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. It was definitely the best one for a few years. This was consistently good throughout. The, there was a couple of down points, but it was consistently, it was a good, it was really good. I think we said before, last year's was great for the first two and a half hours, maybe, and then just nosedived after that and really, really struggled to get through the second part of it. But no, this year's consistently good and great in places. Probably my favourite matches, similar to Kyle, I think. Kofi and, and Brian was probably my highlight. The main event, another one, and then Shane and the Miss were sort of my three favourites. I really, really enjoyed this show. It's kind of weird looking back to last year. I feel like the in-ring standard was higher with last year's WrestleMania, but this year they got so much more right as far as this being like the blow-off and the feel-good show. Mm. Everyone on the Kickoff show who won was a babyface. Seth blasted Brock out of the water to fuck off to UFC. AJ won. The Usos retained. Kofi Kingston won. One of the all time great feel good moments in WrestleMania history. Roman Reigns won. Triple H retained his career. Finn Balor won. And then you close off the show with. Becky Lynch taking all the championships. Mm. This is finally the show where they get the balance right and they remember that they need to reward the audience mm. with the investment they put in these characters. And they've definitely got that right. As far as like individual matches, there's only really the Kofi Bryan match, the main event, and the SmackDown tag team title match that I'd properly go out of my way to watch again. The Seth title win was really, really good, but I don't really need to watch it again. There was some, you know, some entertaining matches all in the middle, but like again, it didn't quite excel to a WrestleMania standard. But still, like the amount of difference that the right winner can make to a match really is is phenomenal. And yeah, the 
Elias and Cena segment, one of the best non-wrestling segments in a good long while at yeah. WrestleMania. Good job overall. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Best WrestleMania we've watched for the podcast. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Mm. Right, that'll wrap it up for this episode. So remember, you can follow us on Twitter at TNW Podcast or on Instagram at TNW underscore podcast. We're also on Facebook and you can listen to our show on Apple Podcasts, on SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio and Spotify. We have a playlist of all of our past episodes on SoundCloud as well as a playlist of all of my guest appearances on the Roar's Nitro podcast. Keep your ears peeled for another one of those coming up in the very near future. I was also on the most recent episode of Music of the Month, the podcast devoted exclusively to the music of pro wrestling. You can hear me chat with our good friend Andrew about wrestling themes in progress and the music of progress once again. I don't know what's going to happen next time. No. I'm going to have to make some plans, I think. Yeah. We've said goodbye to a few friends recently that I think we'd like to indulge in yeah. some more. So maybe that could come up a little bit. And I've also been watching a lot of Confidential on the network lately. It's kind of entered a little mind word there. You shall see. So it's a goodbye from Sunny. See you later. It's a goodbye from Kyle. See you next time. And it's a goodbye from me. I'll catch you down the road. Yeah.